The thing about all of these things that you learn from either this episode or any other episode is that knowledge is useless without application. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an extraordinary guest to share with you today. Laura D. Benedetto is the number one best-selling author of the Six Habits. She's a TEDx speaker. She's a life mastery coach. She teaches how to create the lives of our dreams without sacrificing what we love. Laura is the founder and CEO of the award-winning marketing company, Vision Advertising, located in the greater Boston area. She built and ran the growth-oriented enterprise for 19 years with tremendous success before retiring from active involvement in 2018 at the age of 37. Over the years, Laura personally sold several million dollars in ongoing contracts, was featured on Fox News, and was publicly recognized for business accomplishments. Also named a 40 Under 40 award winner only at age 23. Laura, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. I'm really pumped to talk to you. This is going to be awesome. We've been having a lot of fun before we actually started recording. So I kind of teased on some of your your kind of tentpole accomplishments, but let's talk about what really were your origins of your superpowers? What was it that put you on the path to where you're doing what you're doing today? And let's go there first. The best, probably most accurate answer is stubbornness, is the thing that has put all the tent poles in place. Uh, It is the thing that helped me to survive entrepreneurship. And anyone that's an entrepreneur will understand surviving entrepreneurship is kind of a real thing. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit and how many times I've been knocked down. I'm a domestic abuse survivor. I have attention deficit disorder. I even had to declare bankruptcy in my early 20s and really, really went through a lot. And it is my own stubbornness and refusal to quit, even though I thought about it countless times, that kept me going. You know, that's something that I hear a lot from entrepreneurs and failing, 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 learning from the lessons, never giving up, almost doggedness, just you know, no matter what, not willing to throw on that towel. You know, in, in those moments where you thought about quitting, was there uh, an event, a mentor, a sign from, from above, anything really interesting that you could share with us that was one of these things that really kind of made you think, yeah, I'm on the right track. Even though it's not working, I'm on the right track. Until I started working on the six habits, actually, no. Much of my career before that was, well, I want to quit, but then I won't be able to eat. So that's not going to work out. (laughs) Looks like I need to keep going. So off we go. 
when I moved things around in my life so I could retire, which is basically a nice way of saying I didn't want to do it anymore and found a way to get lovingly fired from the job that keep the paycheck. I found my passion after I had been incredibly broken down and everything on that path has felt intuitive, aligned, spiritually affirmed, and even little things like just moments of spiritual knowing, experiences in nature where everything just seems like everything and part of the universe and God is like, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. This is what you are here for. Keep going. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard right now. You are building what you are here to do. Keep going. I got chills as you said that because I I certainly relate to that. And I know so many people who are following their passions feel the same way. So the advertising was in place, the agency, but she didn't love it. You just knew you were meant for something more. It's not that I didn't love it. I'm very proud of what I've achieved. I love my clients. I love my team. And I love that I did it because I learned so much about marketing, business, entrepreneurship, about just humans. And these are all really valuable things that I'm literally using all of them now with the six habits business, structure, writings, teaching, coaching, and even the corporate types of programs that I'm developing out. Everything I did before prepared me for what I'm doing now. And now I can look at everything with my company with an even bigger lens of appreciation of like, wow, oh, universe, you sneaky so-and-so. That's (laughs) what you had me do that for. Okay. That strongly resonates. I love that. So I'm curious then, so when you decided to get lovingly fired, as you put it. <laughs> at, at what point, and did you have the idea for, for the six habits or, or just, did that come later? Well, because I want to talk about the impetus for writing this book before we dive into it. Sure. At 32, because I had spent so many years building and doing the whole hustle and grind thing, neither of those terms I care for because they imply burnout and they are correct. They do lead to burnout. At 32, I was very tired already. And I was looking for an exit strategy. And I was asking myself, do I sell the company? Do I close the company? Do I retain a portion of equity? Blah, blah, blah. So it took me a couple of years to even decide what I wanted to do after speaking with like business valuation experts. It's like, well, I built this thing and it's not huge, but I'm proud of it. It does have value. And looking at my options, I just remember how I was thinking when I was around probably 34, I just remembered all the words from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, Mm -hmm. cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And I'm like, well, I'd be an idiot to get rid of this company when I can continue to have a nice gigantic passive income stream. So how do I fire myself from the work, but keep the money? So I decided that I would sell half of the equity of the company, 49%. And the way it's structured is it's um, the person that I've got that came in to replace me she has a large salary and with a balance of an amount of equity that she earns per year. When she's vested, then I'm able to have her fully get all of her equity all at once. And it's a nice way for me to bring someone in gently or me to go off and do something else. And so I got to the finish line, right? I, I found my person when I was 30, probably five. And at 37, she's like, okay, 
bye-bye, you gotta go. Because at that point, I was firmly in her way, which <laughs> will happen. She's like, Laura, I love you. You're fired. Yay! It's the only time <laughs> I've ever been excited to hear that in my whole life. I'm like, really? You hate me? You really hate me? Awesome. <laughs> so I, um, I got to the finish line. I, I was sitting there and the silence of not being active CEO anymore and not really being important or relevant anymore and not feeling all of the things that I had felt. And I was left to think about all of it. I was sitting in my big fancy home, sitting with all my stuff and all of these things and accomplishments and all the awards I had and whatever. And I'm just looking around like, mm-hmm, now what? Like, cause I'm not actually happy. And it kind of made me realize that once you take the roles away and you take, you know, the stuff away, what's left is what's most important. And that is the one thing I never properly built was what would, was left, which was the core of myself. When all that stuff was like stripped away or I was bored of it, I had to face myself and I realized, wow, I actually have no idea what happiness is. I thought I did. And I spent years trying to chase happiness only to be in an emotional cycle of, yay, I got it. Oh, it wore off. Let's go chase a new thing. Yay, I got it. And so on. And I was like, no, I need to find happiness for real, figure out what it means, figure out what happy people have in common and figure out what I got to do so I can be happy too. And that was the inspiration for the book. That's awesome. And I think that so many people, especially entrepreneurs, that they, there's this, you know, pot of gold and a leprechaun and then they, <laughs> keep, they, they catch him, right? They get their lucky charms and then they want to go immediately chasing that next rainbow. And if yep. you force people like that to stop sometimes, they don't know what to do with themselves. So I'm, why you wrote that book makes perfect sense to me. So let's, let's dig into it. Let's, let's talk about these six habits. And so uh, Laura is here guaranteeing that if you follow the six habits, you're going to have what percentage more happy? No, I'm just kidding. But you're going to be happier because this is, this is all about happiness. So let, let's, let's start with that first habit. I'm curious. So take us through. Take us through these habits. Sure. So I will outline all six for you and then I'll briefly describe them. And then we can probably pick one or two apart in detail. Sure. They're so simple, right? And I guess my, let me give you the proper disclaimer before we really dive in. The words themselves I'm about to hit you with are not new. You've heard them before. These are things you're like, oh, well, whatever. That seems obvious. What's not obvious is the fact of how these need to be mental, habitual thought patterns that must be created. And there is a pathway to do that. The concepts themselves are not the magic. It is the application of the concept that is the magic. So disclaimer over. Um, and now I'll tell you what they are. So you've got kindness to yourself from yourself, acceptance of yourself, gratitude for all of life, presence in all your moments, goodness in your energy, input and output, and intention in all that you do. These sound like such basic concepts. I've said that before, and they are, but the application is where things get a little tricky. So let's say you're on the verge of turning 40, much like myself, and you've got essentially 40 years of habits built up in your head of speaking to yourself a certain way. The habit of kindness 
demands that we speak to ourselves with incredible love, appreciation, and respect. And sometimes our internal narrative is, oh my God, I don't want to do this. Oh, I'm freaking out, right? Why are we freaking out? It's because our subconscious doesn't believe that we can do it. So we say negative things or a lot of women in particular will look in the mirror and, oh, I'm 10 pounds overweight or, oh, you look like crap today or you're not going to nail the sales meeting or, you know what, I'm not going to ask for that raise because they won't advocate for themselves inside their marriage. They won't, they won't speak up for themselves. They'll let people walk on them and they put themselves last and believe that's where they belong. Alternatively, when we actually master the habit of kindness from ourselves to ourselves, we go on a journey to get there where we have to hear the negative stuff that's happening in our heads and actually identify the negative thought pattern. And whenever we're like, oh, I don't want to do this meeting. It's going to go like crap. We can hear ourselves and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. This is not what we want. And you redirect and you give yourself something better. I've got this. I can do it. And we, the more that we apply this to, I look great. I can do this. I deserve this raise. And I am going to counter because I believe that I am valuable here. There's a lot of baseline, just behavioral changes that will come out of you as a result of your mental changes. And it's funny, like if you take a look at, picture the most miserable person you've ever met or someone that you're friends with, you're like, wow, this guy is like Eeyore, what is up? right? Eeyore is not kind to himself, right? And then you take a look at the the friend of yours. It's always crushing it. They're always like off to Bali or someplace or whatever. This person can't be doing those things and speaking well of themselves. You know, they they can't because they're not like, you can't build a great life where you feel confident. Oh, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do that. If you're constantly tearing yourself down. And the way that I like to explain it to people is in the context of parenting. Just for a moment, I want you to pretend with me that you're three years old and I'm three years old, okay? And we're both sitting on a playground, right? And you want some ice cream, I want some ice cream. At three years old, are you going to say to yourself, um, oh, I don't deserve it, I shouldn't ask mommy? Or are you just gonna be like, I want the ice cream? Oh, I want it. We're going for the ice cream. Exactly. It's because it doesn't occur to you when you're little. Nobody has these thoughts of, ooh, I'm not going to get a yes. I'm not even going to bother. When we're three, we are the most relentless little buggers. We really are. And when we think of ourselves in that context, we realize that we've always had the power. But on the other side, when we think of ourselves within the context of being the parent of that child, right? Let's say the three-year-old wants to climb across the monkey bars. Right? Remember being three, wanting to go across the monkey bars and it was kind of slippery and you weren't sure if you could do it and blah, blah, blah. Do you want the mom that's holding your hand going, sweetie, you can do it. I'll be here and I'll catch you if you fall. I believe in you. Come on, give it a shot. Or do you want, you know, a bucket of nerves? No, you're gonna fall. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, you're gonna fall. Which one do you want? Obviously, you want the nurturing parent, the one that builds you up and says, Yes, sweetie, you can do it. So in this context, we are the child and we are the parent. We are always the child. And when we grow up, we forget that we still need parents. Bosses still need bosses. And I still need my mom, even though she's 77, she's all grown up, I'm all grown up. So because she's not here to do it, I have to do it. 
So when I have to go and do big something, you know, really big, big and scary, like maybe not going across the monkey bars, but moving 5,000 miles away, I can't have my mom in my head anymore because she's living her own life. I have to say that to myself, Laura, you can do this. Face your fears. You can do this. Like you will make it. And even if you don't, you're still going to land on your feet. You can do this. Take a shot, right? I have to do this for myself. And my own inner child has to be like, yep, I want that. I can do it. It's both. So this is essentially kindness unpacked for you. And that's when I said initially with my little disclaimer, it sounds so simple. People are like, oh, kindness. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I should totally be kind to myself. Yeah, why aren't you doing it? It's because as you've just understood, it's harder and more complicated than just the word of, oh, I need to be nice to myself. It's, there's, re- like, there's reasons why we're not. There's applications to discovering how we do it and the lens through which we have to look at it. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that. You know, and it's important because you you mentioned undoing these perhaps 40 years worth of mental patterns. And so by identifying the fact that, you know, we've got really both sides. I, as you were describing this, I, I couldn't help but think of you know the the angel and the devil uh, on either side of one shoulder. But it's the same analogy, right? And so it's it's not that we have to pretend that 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 voice isn't there, but there's a duality with it, and, and we just have to make sure that we are conscious of making sure. The angel's voice is the one that we act on. At least that's... Absolutely, because they're both there. And I'll give you a wonderful example to prove it. Coronavirus. What an interesting year 2020 has been. And I mastered the habit of kindness in 2019. It took me a lifetime of doing it the wrong way to finally realize, wow, this is not going to work anymore. Had the moment with myself. They call it a come to Jesus moment. I was like, okay, I surrender. I will learn. And I did. And I was feeling amazing. And then like May 2020 showed up, punched me in the face. I'd had a couple months of it. And I broke down in tears. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? My husband lost his company that he was so excited to move to the islands and build. My company in Massachusetts is suffering some blows because we largely support hospitality, which as you can imagine, has been affected by closures and things like that. And I began to feel new thoughts coming up that I never dealt with before because they weren't there. I was dealing with things like, this is much bigger than I can handle. This is, ooh, I I don't know. Can I support a household? And can I support my husband through this? And can I support my company through this? And can I support my COO who just got cancer? Can I handle all of this? But I relied on the tool and the habit 
is what saved me because through the habit didn't even occur to me that I needed to redirect. I just did. I caught the thoughts and I was like, whoa, no, I have too much to do to even entertain the idea of failure. And I need my nurturing parent right now to be like, no girl, you got this. You can do this. You will be there for your husband. You will be there for your clients. You will be there for Julia. You will do this. And if your best isn't good enough, they don't deserve you. You're going to be fine. Awesome. So I was fine. I want to make sure we can at least touch on all six. So let's jump on to the second one, second habit. So acceptance is how we feel about ourselves. When we treat ourselves well, that's kindness. Acceptance is different. It's how we feel about ourselves. It's the feelings of respect that we have for ourselves and unconditional love. A lot of people struggle with unconditional self-love. It's easy to unconditionally love others or conditionally love others. It's easy to love lots of external things. But when it comes to loving ourselves, we don't. And even if we think we do, we often don't. And it looks like oh, I have to continue working late. I have to do this. I have to do this. Really? Why? Why do you have to do this? Who are you trying to impress? Well, I need to get this done for these other people. Ah, what are you afraid will happen to you if they become displeased with you? Will you be afraid of their rejection? Do you need their approval in order to live your life and feel complete? Is it because you don't approve of yourself? So we take a lot of these concepts and we we start to put them through this filter and really understanding what acceptance looks like is no comparisonitis. I do not have, you know, more money than all my friends. I don't need to be top of the heap. I've got loads of friends with tons more money than me. I also have loads of friends with a lot less. It doesn't matter. I have a car that I intend to drive until the wheels fall off. But once upon a time, I used to be hell-bent on having the newest, sexiest convertible. And that was a reflection of how I felt about myself because I didn't feel like I was good enough without those things. And this is important for us to recognize. So we take a look at kindness and I gave you the the example and I don't need to go into as much detail because we will run out of time. But when we think about things with acceptance in kind of a similar way of like, what is it costing me? not to accept myself and how is this showing up in my life and then realize what we're called to do, then the urgency of the need for acceptance of ourselves by ourselves becomes so critical because when you do accept yourself, you actually get to live life on your terms. You stop saying yes to stuff that doesn't work for you anymore. You feel very confident advocating for yourself and you are able to establish boundaries with people because you're like, yeah, I deserve to have a boundary. And you don't constantly give away your holding or your position because most times folks yield to others because they don't feel like they're worthy of standing their ground. I've done that for years. I don't do it anymore, but it's nice to see when someone finally starts standing their ground. It's like, wow, you learn to love yourself. Cool. <laughs> love that. I, I'm really excited about gratitude because gratitude is now being thrown around as often as the term masterclass. Everything's a masterclass. And and in the personal development world, everyone's talking about gratitude. So I'm excited to hear your unpacking of gratitude. Sure. 
gratitude is something that has been more of a popular concept. And I mean, it's wonderful. And for anyone that is new to the six habits and thinking, you know what? I really want to start somewhere. I don't know where. They're listening to this show, reading the book or something. Gratitude is usually the first place to start because there's usually the, the, the least mental barriers in place before you can really start to feel the benefits. When you feel great for, you know, the best from first, you get to see like loads of value in your life right away. And it's an instant perspective shift. So the thing about gratitude is that it is the lens of appreciation through which you look at everything in your life. I mean, everything, not just, wow, my day is going well. My coffee's delicious. Hey, my commute was really easy. Or I didn't catch COVID today or whatever your gratitude thing is for the day. It's not listing off what went right. It's looking at your life differently. It's looking at, hmm, you know, that situation was awful, but look at all that I got from it. And that wasn't very fun, but I really learned a lot. Or like in my case, I was the uh, victim of domestic abuse. I was mentally, physically, and sexually abused by this man. I choose to look back on that chapter of my life. Thank God it's in the rear view. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful it's in the rear view. I'm grateful I got myself out of it. I'm grateful that it revealed the beast inside of me. And it revealed the fighter that I had in me that may not have been revealed until several years later. So it kind of gave me a stronger will to fight. And that is a perspective shift because I could easily look at that situation and be very upset about what happened. And believe me, I was for a long time. But the perspective shift of choosing to accept what happened, okay, but also look for all the good, it also changes my relationship with what happened. I no longer look at myself as a victim. I no longer look at that period of time of, oh, poor me. I look at it as, that was really crappy boot camp. Okay, got a lot of stuff out of it, and I didn't stay there. So there's things like this in life that we all go through. Maybe we get a divorce. I'm grateful I'm divorced. Bye. Like I needed to move on from my, from that chapter of my life and do something else. I'm grateful I lived in Massachusetts, even though I don't live there anymore. And what it does is it shapes how I speak about my ex-husband. It shapes how I speak about the ex-boyfriend that was awful and my time in Massachusetts. Like, although I moved to Hawaii, I will tell you my two favorite states are Hawaii and Massachusetts. I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't grateful. So it shapes everything, but we also take a lot for granted in terms of the people we love, their attributes, and sometimes little things like the ability to use our fingers. We take these things for granted. But if we stop doing that, what we get out of it is we're calmer, we feel more abundant. We also feel a lot more capable. Like, wow, I made all this stuff happen. Boy, life is really happening for me, not to me. When you have that perspective, you feel much more like, cool, I'm excited for the adventure of being alive versus, woe is me. Agreed. There is, uh, the analogy I've always used is when you, when you flip that switch and you feel, I, I don't say for you, I've always said through you, but it, it's every day, is that new wake up, who knows what's going to happen today, but it's going to be awesome versus exactly. the, you know, 
same eight to five and then you wake up and you're 50 and you don't know what's happened. Well, even if it's not awesome, that's the most important part. Like you can still know that there will be benefit here directly Mm -hmm. for me, even if it's not awesome. Like that's kind of my perspective with going to the gym. I hate it, but I know it's good for me. Yes. No, well said. All right, let's jump to number four. The habit of presence is choosing the moments right in front of us. I think nowadays we have smartphones, scroll, 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 we get lost. I'm sorry, you were saying something? What? Like, we don't pay attention to our loved ones. We don't pay attention to the work in front of us. Oh, I can't wait to be done. I wish I was doing this instead. Versus really powerfully choosing to be with what is. Maybe you are sitting in a waiting room and it is not that great and you can't wait to get out of there. You're actually shaping your experience by wishing you weren't there. You're making sitting in the waiting room suck. Alternatively, if you choose to be in the waiting room mentally and you regard it as an opportunity for you to practice mindfulness or to do a mental exercise or to just practice your patience and just choose to be in that room in that moment, you have a different experience. Instead of sitting there filled with rage, your face turning purple, I say this from personal experience, I've done this. Um, why is this person making me late? Why do doctors make me wait an hour and a half and then they cancel my appointment if I'm late? Blah, blah, blah. Instead, it could just be like, okay, I am meant to wait today. Okay. And I choose it. By choosing it, you no longer resist it. And when you stop resisting it, you can actually find enjoyment. You can look around, you can meet other people. I mean, one of my most notable examples with presence is my parents. How many times I've been hanging out with my parents where I'm like scrolling through my phone. My parents are almost 80. Someday I'm going to kick myself for that, right? Not anymore because I moved away and now it's like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Come visit, phone schmone, whatever. And we, we don't realize that the things that we have in front of us are our moments to enjoy or not. And when we are not present with things, we can't enjoy them. When we are not present with tragedy, we don't process it and we grieve longer and we suffer longer and harder. When we are not present with basically anything, we're choosing to drag something out, make it worse, and actually take us away from being in a state of, um, I guess, awareness. You know, what we get out of this is we actually start being happier almost right away because we're realizing that every moment is a choice. Like even this podcast, this is a choice. You have a choice. You could easily zone out when I'm talking. You could, or you could mindfully listen and you could get something out of it and really be with me and build a relationship with me and like sort of kind of look in my eyes through Zoom and um, we can have like a genuine connection. And that connection is not possible if you zone out. Because you're wishing you were doing something else. Yeah, Yeah. or I was done talking, right? Well, I I think you bring up a really good point in that, particularly in this era of technology that we are so busy and we make ourselves so busy. You know, how many times, as you were describing, you you know, being on the phone with your mom, I was thinking about how many times I've gone out to a restaurant before COVID and seeing a family <laughs> of four and every one of them's on a device. And, and it just, I know. It, it just speaks to nobody. I'm thinking of the movie Eyes Wide Shut, not analogous to the plot, not analogous to the plot, but like literally 
we could be two feet from each other and and we've never been more disengaged. So I'm grateful the way you describe presence in your book. So thank you for that. Um, I want to kind of speed through, not ridiculously so, but the uh, the, the fifth and sixth ones. Sure. So <clears throat> goodness is essentially energy management. Energy management, you got to watch what's coming in and you, you got to you got to be mindful of adding the good stuff, subtracting the bad stuff. And your energy that you put in determines what you are able to put out. Give you a great example. If you are, are you a father? I am. Okay. So if you're a father and you're spending time with your kids who want to destroy your microphone or whatever, right? You're going to be called to be patient with your children, right? Now, if all day long, all you are doing is dealing with people's wah, 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 negative news, terrible social media, people dumping their problems on you and you not having any boundaries, you are so depleted, you actually do not have the ability to lovingly show up with your children when they make an innocent child mistake. Instead, you show up as your worst self instead of your best self. Alternatively, when you invest good energy into yourself of, no, 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 I'm going to need some boundaries on this one. You're really kind of stepping on my lines here or just adding stuff you like. I'm going to take five minutes and just have coffee with my wife. Um, You're going to have more energetic reserves. So when this moment happens, you'll be like, guys, it's okay. Poopy happens. Daddy's got you. I still love you. Make more sense? So it's energy management. We have to protect. It's like what you eat, right? But it's not food. It's it's like it's like soul food, right? It's like you're not going to sit there and eat like a tub of lard and be like, (laughs) I'm going to feel amazing later. No, probably not. But if you if you regard it as garbage in, garbage out, that's essentially the best way to think about it. And that's actually the goodness chapter is the biggest one in the book because that one is loaded with shoot, like 20 some odd specific things you need to do, including a whole structure on like how to create boundaries and what to do about it and the importance of it and where to find them, et cetera, et cetera. Love it. Take us through the sixth habit. Dun, dun, dun. Intention is action. It is how we approach our desires, how we process the stuff that we want. I want to move to Maui. Cool. What am I going to do about it, right? So this is a this is a thing for a lot of people. They'll be like, oh, well, okay. I just, like, whatever. I want that. But there's a divide between I want that and I live here. Intention is the divide. Intention is what turns the I want that into, oh God, I just got off the airplane with my dog and my husband and a whole bunch of stuff. Whoa. Intention is what makes all dreams happen. Like, so me moving to Maui, I did this because I got happy and it, what, it took incredible intention. I had to get very clear on what I wanted, how specifically I was going to make it happen. I needed to continually push myself along with incremental shoves of momentum. Like, nope, today you got to do this. Nope, today you got to do this. You got to call a real estate agent. You got to sell your house. You got to do this. You got to do that. And sometimes we can get caught up in the, This is a terrible metaphor, but it works. Oh God, I have to eat the whole elephant. Yep, but you don't have to do it all today. You can just take a bite. Terrible, disgusting metaphor. Who'd want to eat an elephant? 
but you've heard the metaphor before and it works because just the enormity of something can just intimidate us so tremendously and can make it so we don't even start. So intention as a mental habit is always searching for clarity. It's always searching for movement of any kind. And even if it's little, it counts. And, and, and doing it anyway, even when we get scared. So when we actually master this habit, what happens is we feel more courageous and uh, capable and we start to process fear differently because fear doesn't go away. I'm never ever going to say to you, I'm fearless. No, I'm a quivering mass of jello. I'm, fa- I'm afraid of everything. But the difference between me and someone who doesn't have the habit of intention mastered is I look at the fear as an objective piece of information, I'm like, huh, I'm having a really strong emotional reaction to this thing that I want to do. Why? What is it trying to help me understand about how I need to proceed, not if I need to proceed? And when we master all of the six habits together, this isn't a menu, they're supposed to be done in harmony. When you get better at intention, you'll start doing more things. You'll feel better about yourself. It helps you with kindness. When you're more kind to yourself, it's easier to accept yourself. When you accept yourself more, it's easier to lay down boundaries and goodness. And when you're rocking the goodness, gratitude is everywhere you look and the presence and that, 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 you get the idea. It's a big, beautiful ball of wax. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Laura, I, I wish we had more time. This was so much fun. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests, and I got a feeling you're going to have a good one here. What is your biggest helping? That's one single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today. Ah, that is indeed the question I wanted you to ask. I want everyone listening to understand that your job in life is to love yourself, enjoy your life, and do the work. The thing about all of these things that you learn from either this episode or any other episode is that knowledge is useless without application. Take whatever you've listened and apply it. Get the book, apply it, whatever it is, but apply. It's like getting a a tub of cream from the dermatologist and you're like, well, I'm going to keep it in the jar and hopefully it'll work. No, you have to apply it. It's the same thing. So the wisdom is, please, please apply the things that you learn. And that is where change comes from. I love it. Laura, where can people find you online? People can find me at the6habits.com, T-H-E-S-I-X habits.com. You can also grab a free chapter of the book if you want. Perfect. And for those of you on the elliptical, we got you covered. Everything that Laura has talked about is going to be in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com, as well as a link to her recent TED Talk, which I encourage everybody to check out. So Laura, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. I loved our conversation today. I did too. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here and share these wonderful ideas with you and your listeners. You're oh so welcome. And I'd also like to thank each and every one of you who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 